Former President Obama said, okay, I've had it, in his DNC speech, calling out Donald Trump and his enablers. Olivia Wilde apparently is directing a secret Marvel movie project. And Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer is with us to discuss the battle for her state's voters in the general election and that Shark Week hot mic. The date, August 20th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hello, friends. I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Casey, before we dive in, I I saw that Drunk History is getting canceled on Comedy Central, and there goes a dream of mine, to be honest. Oh my God, did you want to be on Drunk History? I love that. I did. I don't even like getting drunk, really. Like, it's not like Uh, my favorite. Yeah, so you want to be the storyteller. I like that. I think you'd be great at it. I would. Uh, have you ever thought about doing that? Though? Oh, yeah, I would. Lo- I would love that, too. I think it's so funny. I have so much what, fun watching this. What would you have done? Who would you what story would you have told? <laughs> OK, mine is so weird. And no one's even going to know who I'm talking about because I didn't know who it was. Do you know who Ned Kelly is? Ned Kelly. Wasn't didn't Heath Ledger do a movie about yes. Ned Kelly? Oh my God, no one knows about that. Okay, so okay, I studied abroad in Australia, and it was this travel writing program. It was only for two months, and it was just like seven girls in this like van, and we drove for three weeks around like desolate Australia, and it was all somehow based around this tour of Ned Kelly's life. And if you are in Australia, you either hate or you love Ned Kelly. You either think he's a villain or he's a hero. And there's just all these tales about him. You know, it's kind of like the people who love him is like, he's a misunderstood person who was stealing from the rich for the poor. Like, but then villains were like, ah, he killed a bunch of people. Like, um, so there's a lot of that. But anyways, I love the story so much. I love that people don't know about him. And it's just like an insane storytelling opportunity. No, I know that's it. amazing. I, I think I would have told, thought about this a lot. I think I would tell the story of how the U.S. founded the United Nations only because they spied on everyone throughout the entire setup. It was held at the conference in San Francisco when they were setting this up. They made sure to have like submarines off the coast that were like spying on other countries' diplomats. They were wiretapping everyone. They were paying people off to like get all the info just to make sure that the UN could actually happen and make sure that you know the small countries didn't revolt and that Russia would be less of a dick than normal in these sorts of situations and be happy enough to sign on. And yeah, I would totally have gotten drunk and told that story. See, yes, I would like to hear you get drunk and do this. Okay, we could go on with this for a very long time, clearly, but it's time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. Night three of the DNC didn't have the same state-by-state road trip as night two, but it definitely still went places. There were a lot of things worth highlighting if we had more time, but let's start with former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. She spoke out in her speech about how her loss to Trump in 2016 should motivate people to turn out to the polls this time around. This can't be another woulda, coulda, shoulda election. If you vote by mail, request your ballot now and send it back right away. If you vote in person, do it early. Become a poll worker. Most of all, no matter what, vote. And former President Barack Obama gave his most dire assessment yet of President Trump. Taking off the kid gloves, Obama said that though he'd hoped Trump would eventually take the presidency seriously, quote, Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. He also had this grave warning. That work will continue long after this election. But any chance of success depends entirely on the outcome of this election. This administration has shown it will tear our democracy down 
if that's what it takes for them to win. So we have to get busy building it up. And then Senator Kamala Harris made history with a series of firsts. She became the first black woman to accept the vice presidential nomination for a major party, the first person of South Asian descent to do the same, and gave the first shout out to the Alpha Kappa Alphas in prime time by a major party's VP candidate. In her speech, Harris also spoke about her Indian heritage and called out systemic racism. This virus, it has no eyes, and yet it knows exactly how we see each other and how we treat each other. And let's be clear, there is no vaccine for racism. We've gotta do the work for George Floyd, for Breonna Taylor, for the lives of too many others to name, for our children, and for all of us. We've got to do the work to fulfill that promise of equal justice under law. Meanwhile, it was a bad day in New York City courts for the president and his allies. News broke this morning that former top Trump advisor Steve Bannon was arrested on allegations of fraud. Bannon and four others were charged with defrauding donors of hundreds of thousands of dollars as part of a project called We Build the Wall. In an indictment from the Southern District of New York, Bannon was accused of setting up a nonprofit to siphon off at least $1 million of that money to pay for personal expenses for himself and the others charged. This was despite numerous pledges from the group's founder, Brian Colfage, to take no compensation for the project. Donors on GoFundMe were told that 100% of their money would go towards building Trump's border wall with Mexico. Also this morning, a court threw out President Trump's attempt to keep Manhattan's district attorney from seeing his tax returns. The Supreme Court ruled last month that the presidency did not protect Trump from investigations, knocking down his absolute immunity argument. The court left open the chance that other legal arguments might hold up, but today a federal judge said, nope, this is trash, and dismissed the president's attempt to block a subpoena. Yeah, I watched a I watched a bunch of the speeches from the DNC last night, and it was just uh, I don't know. It's nice to hear people speak eloquently. Hayes. Yeah, in it though, I was following along along for Twitter for most of it, but then I had to go back and definitely watch all twenty minutes of Obama's speech because he, it it was both powerful and freaking scary. Like, not gonna lie, it, you don't normally hear someone, a former president, talking about their successor in such, like, life-or-death terms, and Obama has been loathed to this entire four years. So on the one hand, he's kind of gave the speech that a lot of people were waiting for, but I feel like those same people are now like, oh, now he said it. Oh, it's real. Oh. Yeah, it felt really real. And I know yesterday we were talking about, like, oh, my God, amazing that there haven't been any, like, you know, like technology fails or anything like that. And, you know, I still really haven't seen a big one or anything. But one thing that's just so noticeable is just that there's no cheering, there's no crowd. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, yes, at the end, you have all those people on the screen that are clapping at the end of a speech. But it's like, there there were moments in Kamala's where it's like, you knew that if she was in front of a crowd of people, it would be like amped up. You, and write, her- you write like pauses for like applause into speeches normally. So yeah, I completely agree. It's pretty weird. Hopefully, four years from now, we won't have to do it like this, question mark. (laughs) Oh, fingers crossed. All right, Casey, what's on your agenda? 
Well, Olivia Wilde is apparently working on a new secret Marvel movie project with Sony. Wilde made her directorial debut last year with Booksmart, and now she's reportedly been tapped to direct what Variety yesterday called an untitled female-centric Marvel movie. Deadline took things further, reporting that the project Wilde is helming is actually Spider-Woman based on the character created in the 1970s. There are literally no details about the project out at this point, with neither Sony nor Marvel confirming. Uh, But Wilde herself quote-tweeted Deadline's story with a spider emoji. (laughs) Sony made the first and second set of live-action Spider-Man movies in the 2000s, but it and Marvel have split the rights to the Spider-Man franchise since 2016. They agreed last year to continue that agreement after it briefly looked like it might all fall apart. Actor Tom Holland has said only a drunken phone call from him saved the deal. Which, great story. Love that story. I really (laughs) want to believe it's true. Uh, I love any Tom Holland story. (laughs) It's true. All of them are just golden somehow. (laughs) Yes. Uh, He is pure of heart. uh, I... I'm excited for this. I love what Sony did with Into the Spider-Verse and Mm -hmm. the fact that this new movie would probably fit within that same cinematic universe has a lot of potential, I think. Yeah, and just after watching Booksmart, I truly trust Olivia Wilde with women, um, just the way that she tells stories. And uh, you know what? It would probably be too easy to pick her, but I really want Zendaya to be Spider-Woman. I mean, it just makes sense. She was was in Spider-Man Homecoming as MJ, and I'm like, you know what? That's just... It's fine. It's it's another dimension. It's it's her character in another dimension. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) We won't confuse anyone. (laughs) Okay, next up, The Chicks are performing tonight at the DNC in their first major appearance since they dropped Dixie from their name last month. Democrats have been highlighting their ability to bring in A-list celebrities and musicians for decades at this point. This year's convention has so far been hosted by Eva Longoria, Kerry Washington, and Tracy Ellis Ross. And it's already had performances from the likes of John Legend, Stephen Stills, and Billy Porter as part of the lineup. Last night, Billie Eilish was the first performer to actually speak during the convention. After singing her new song, My Future, Eilish worked to convince her younger fans to vote this fall. You don't need me to tell you things are a mess. Donald Trump is destroying our country and everything we care about. We need leaders who will solve problems like climate change and COVID, not deny them. Leaders who will fight against systemic racism and inequality. And that starts by voting for someone who understands how much is at stake. Someone who's building a team that shares our values. It starts with voting against Donald Trump and for Joe Biden. Silence is not an option and we cannot sit this one out. We all have to vote like our lives and the world depend on it because they do. The only way to be certain of the future is to make it ourselves. Please register, please vote. And if you haven't seen Jennifer Hudson's performance from last night, I highly recommend it. Here's just a taste of her singing A Change Is Gonna Come from the Chicago Cultural Center, where the acoustics were amazing. When we come back, we've got Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Stay right there.
SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. We controlled the courts. We controlled absolutely everything. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. From my perspective, Bob was too good to be true. There's got to be something wrong with this. I wouldn't trust that guy. He looks like a little scumbag liar, stool pigeon. He looked like what he was, a rat. I can say with all certainty, I think he's a hero because he didn't have to do what he did, and he did it anyway. The moment I put the wire on the first time, my life was over. If it ever got out, they would kill me in a heartbeat. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to our show. I'm Zoe Deschanel, and I'm so excited to be joined by my friends and castmates, Hannah Simone and Lamorne Morris, to recap our hit television series, New Girl. Join us every Monday on the Welcome to Our Show podcast, where we'll share behind-the-scenes stories of your favorite New Girl episodes, reveal the truth behind the legendary game True American, and discuss how the show got made with the writers, guest stars, and directors who made the show so special. Fans have been begging us to do a New Girl recap for years, and we finally made a podcast where we answer all your burning questions like, is there really a bear in every episode of New Girl? Plus, each week you'll hear hilarious stories like this. At the end when he says, you got some Schmidt on your face, I feel like I pitched that joke. I believe that. I feel like I did. I'm not a thousand percent. I want to say that was, I I, I tossed that one out. Listen to the Welcome to Our Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. August is almost over, and if you thought... 2020 was intense before the general election is going to be, well, a lot. And that's even more the case for the swing states that will help decide the outcome and who's in office in January. That includes Michigan, which Donald Trump narrowly won in 2016. We're joined today by Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, a Democrat many have called a rising star in her party who would very much like to not see a repeat of 2016. Good afternoon, Governor. Good afternoon. So the DNC's last night is tonight. Michigan is going to be a crucial swing state again. What are you hearing that you think will most resonate with the voters in your state? Well, the thing about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris is that I think they are they're real people. They're genuine. They have empathy. They understand what real people are confronting. Um, and, and I believe that the plan around addressing COVID-19 And of course, the recession that has come along with it because of the bungling at the national level um, is something that's going to resonate with Michigan voters. You know, we're good, hardworking people, just like Americans everywhere. And we expect our government to be good and hardworking as well and to get things done. And I know that if anyone can bring that message to Michigan and and get people out to the polls, it's it's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Hmm. On the flip side, uh, 
Is there anything that you're seeing or rather not seeing in the platform or DNC lineup that you would like to for swing state voters like yours? You know, actually, I mean, other than perhaps some more energy around infrastructure, frankly, um, is I, I think that the platform really is representative of what people across my state are, are looking for. And it's really the fundamentals. You know, when I went, ran and won in 2018, I got into all 83 counties. And I know there's no way Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to be able to do that. In fact, in COVID-19, I wouldn't uh-huh. advise them to even try. But I heard from people about what the what really was keeping them from getting ahead or what they were really worried about. And it's it always comes back to those dinner table issues, right? Are you going to be able to take care of your family and ensure that your kids have real opportunity? And and that's, I think, cuts at the heart of what so much of our anxiety is right now with COVID-19 and the economic um, crisis that, that we are dealing with as a nation. So aside from your own, clearly, are there any other favorite speeches you've heard so far? Oh, there's I, I have found lots to like every single night, to be honest. <laughs> I've been sitting on my couch with my girls fighting over the popcorn as we are watching. And, um, you know, four years ago, we were in Philadelphia. And I remember watching, I was watching my children as they were watching Michelle Obama speak. And it was when she gave the, when they go low, we go high, which I've repeated ad nauseum. My children roll their eyes when I say it. But um, <laughs> I sat with them and watched her speak on Monday night. And just thinking about all the, you know, terrible things that have happened in our country in the last four years, and yet feeling optimistic and hopeful as a result of, of this ticket and the vision and, and this, this moment during this convention um, is, is profound. And I'd be hard-pressed to pick one favorite speech, but um, I think that the roll call was powerful to see the people of America um, in, their, in their natural environment. Um, and also, <laughs> to uh, you know, I, I really, um, I thought that Hillary Clinton did a nice job reminding us you can even win an election by 3 million votes and still not be in the White House. Um, self-deprecating, humorous, but also really driving home the point. And of course, I loved seeing um, Jill Biden and, and Barack Obama. Amazing. And Kamala Harris's speech was fantastic last night. So you mentioned that it's possible to win more votes and still lose out on election. There are some really weird-shaped congressional districts in Michigan, thanks to years of gerrymandering. Do you have plans for redoing those maps after the 2020 census is complete? Yeah, we do. And, you know, I was chatting about redistricting, and they've got a district that's so messed up. It looks, they call it Elf on a Lazy Boy. <laughs> look at the shape of it. But the the point is, absolutely. So in 2018, one of the great things is that we amended our constitution to make it easier to vote from home. We amended our constitution to ensure that we would have a nonpartisan or a bipartisan group drawing districts, take it away from the legislature and have a commission doing it. That will greatly improve um, the, the likelihood that we'll actually have districts that make sense and that yield representatives who are truly representative. So Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson set up a huge expansion of mail-in voting for Michigan's primaries this year. Did you learn anything that needed to be improved about the process ahead of the general? Well, I'll say this. I am so grateful that in 2018, not only was I elected and not only did we amend our constitution in these fundamental ways around voting, but I'm also grateful that the people of Michigan wisely sent Jocelyn Benson in as our Secretary of State and Dana Nessel as our Attorney General 
We have been a united uh, group of leaders. We swept all the state offices, female uh, executives, and with my with my running mate, of course, Garland Gilchrist, um, Michigan's first black lieutenant governor, by the way. And it was really, um, I think, important as we look to the challenges that are coming from the White House and Washington, D.C., how are we going to navigate in this? And so I, I know that Jocelyn is one of the foremost um, national experts in election law. She is executing well, and I haven't delved too deep into the into all of the details as I've been handling the, the pandemic and everything else that's going on. But I've got complete faith in the work that she's doing. And I know we're going to run a, a good election with integrity and get every vote counted. So what's your response been to the warnings from the Postal Service that they might not be able to get ballots delivered in time to be counted? I mean, it's outrageous. And we filed a lawsuit. And that's why I mentioned the attorney general. We we work together. We filed a lawsuit. Michigan is one of 18 states that is suing the federal government. We also know that we've seen pictures coming out of Grand Rapids, Michigan and Pontiac, Michigan, about um, machines that have been disassembled. And so we are doing an investigation and asking postal workers who are seeing this to report. And if they're not in Michigan, to report the, to their attorney general so that we can have um, uh, evidence and, and continue to push. We have to push back. We also have to prepare for a workaround, and that's why having secure drop boxes so that people, as they complete their ballot, and they're worried about mailing it in, that they can drive up and, and drop it off in a, in a secure box so that their vote gets counted and they don't have to jeopardize their health by showing up on Election Day. So we're, we're attacking this on a number of fronts. Uh, it's being reported today that Michigan is going to set up a fund paying $600 million to Flint residents in response to the water crisis there. I know you probably can't confirm that number just yet, but uh, can you talk about what your administration is thinking or has been thinking as far as restorative justice for the people there, my parents included? Yeah, so it, I can confirm that number, but I can't confirm a whole lot beyond it. We're all bound by confidentiality that is a part of the negotiation of, of the settlement. And more details will be um, available in the in the coming weeks. But this is one piece of of ensuring that the people of Flint can start to to move forward again. And I inherited the Flint water crisis. My predecessor made the decisions that led to the the toxic water, um, where you know they chose to use the Flint River as a source of water, and it leached lead out of the pipes. Um, we are, as a state, are doing a number of things, including settling this lawsuit. We are working with the city. We should have all of the pipes completed in terms of replacement by the by this fall. Uh, we have done an, a lot in terms of investment in schools, investment in early childhood education and nutrition, investment in senior citizens as well. There is much more work to be done, but. This was a, a tough situation that was one of the reasons that I decided to run for governor, frankly. And so we have been at work. We now have the, the strictest lead and copper rule in the nation in Michigan. We have an environmental justice advocate. Uh, we have um, a, a number of ombudsmen in terms of water quality for the state of Michigan. So we've taken this seriously. We've done a lot of um, major steps forward. Michigan has gone from, I think, uh, a laggard to a leader in this space, but certainly the people of Flint have understandably lost trust in government, and we're working hard every day to regain that trust and to be worthy of that. So you got a lot of pressure put on you for your response to the coronavirus at the start of the pandemic. 
uh, with armed protests against your lockdown order. Looking back, is there anything you'd have done differently? You know what? I, I mean, I think that any governor who's answering this question, if we could jump in a time machine with the knowledge we have today and go back, we of course we would do things differently. I mean, if I could go back to November, I would start manufacturing N95 masks in the state of Michigan. We would supply the whole country. Yet here we are six months into this. We still don't have the PPE or the testing supplies that our that we need as a nation to resume our economy safely. And that's a failure at the national level. So I think any governor who is being very candid and answering that question would have to acknowledge the nature of this virus is novel. It is new. There's a lot we don't know, but we've learned an incredible amount in the last six months. We're going to know a lot more in the next month and the next two months. And so at the, I think what we need to know and what we need to insist on is that people in positions of power make decisions based on the best information they can get, relying on science, not politics, not ego, not hyperbole, and certainly not Twitter or threats, because this is about American lives at stake. Our actions saved thousands of Michigan lives. I am proud of the work that we've done. We are not out of the woods yet, and we're going to stay tethered to the science and not be bullied. You turned down a shot at the vice presidency and the Detroit News cited you saying that the spot on the Biden ticket should go to a black woman. You also told the New York Times that you'd want to stay in Michigan instead of taking a cabinet spot, say. But we're all working remotely anyway. So if you had to pick a cabinet position, what do you think you would most enjoy or be good at? (laughs) Wow, you're good. You make it sound like a fun question you're going to tease me into answering where no one else has gotten me to. You know what? Honestly, (laughs) honestly, I have, um, I've been fortunate to be in public service for 20 years. I've had opportunities where maybe our U.S. Senator didn't run for reelection or my congressperson did, and people tried to recruit me to run. I've never really wanted to go to Washington, D.C. I love state government because I'm close to the people I serve and I can see the results of the work that we're doing. Add on top of it that Michigan's amazing, and I've got three (laughs) generations of my family here. So um, I have a hard time envisioning a cabinet position that could compare to being the governor of this great state. So I stand by that. Okay, one last thing. A clip from just before your speech at the DNC this week went viral where you said it's not just Shark Week, it's Shark Week. And you then mouthed the word motherfucker. There has to be a story behind that. (laughs) There is. So um, I when I was preparing to run for governor, I was preparing to do some debates and I had a debate coach say, you know, the happy warrior wins. So Uh when you go up to your podium, put a smiley face on the top of your page. And that's just so saccharine. Like that a smiley face is not going to make me smile. And I had just been to a Kevin Hart (laughs) um, comedy show and someone who opened for him was talking about female empowerment and how women nowadays aren't shy about issues like menstruation. We, you know, own it, right? And we're bold. And where women used to be demure, now, you you know, if a woman's talking about menstruation, she might say, well, it's Shark Week, mother. And (laughs) it's funny. And it's about women's empowerment. And it makes me smile. So I would write, it's Shark Week on top of my paper. But that was was the reason why. It's about female (laughs) empowerment. And it was funny. And it got a laugh that night, too. I did not... (laughs) I did not intend for it to get captured and and distributed, but 
but you were aware of the hot mic. You did comment. I know about the hot mic. So <laughs> yeah, nonetheless, yes. <laughs> nonetheless, I persisted in telling a joke that <laughs> got me into got me, got me some notoriety. <laughs> well, Governor, uh, thank you for the laugh and thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Hayes, I have a game I'd like to play real quick. Have you seen the video from comedian Ava Victor that went extremely viral called The Girl in the Movies Who's Different? Yes, I know exactly which video you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) They're so good. Okay, well, for people who have it, here's the clip, which has over 300,000 likes. Sorry, do you need something? What, you've never seen a girl with a tattoo and a tongue piercing before? Oh, you're the quarterback? It's still salty. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Okay, so that clip spawned a whole entire thread filled with other character archetypes. So, Hayes, I want to see how good you are at spotting tropes in movies with a game we're going to call Rolls with the Punchlines. I'm into this. I Okay, (laughs) I think I can do this, but I literally have no idea what any of these are going to be. I'm I'm so excited. You're going to have fun. Okay, so here's how it's going to work. I'm going to play you one of the many impressions from this thread, and you have to guess which trope the performer is channeling. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's the first one. (laughs) Come on, babe, hurry up. I want to get out of here. Yeah, I want to go get a frappuccino. What? <laughs> when you take a picture, it lasts longer. Mm. By the way, you have some shit on your face. You might want to take that off. Oof, this is like the Regina George mean girl, like Queen Bee archetype 100%. <laughs> you know you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, that was comedian Alyssa Limparis doing her best impression of the quarterback's Ooh, girlfriend. Yeah, I see that. Okay. Yes. So you got it. She's the mean girl, but she's specifically connected to the quarterback mm-hmm. mentioned in the first video. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's the next one. Um, am I hallucinating or was that just Tyler Dominion macking on you? I totally ship. You guys are endgame. Come on. He's like the hottest guy in school. I used to beat off to him in sixth grade. And we used to have sleepovers. His mom's the best. Come on. As your sassiest and best-dressed friend, I think I have the right to force you into this. Come on. Okay, yes, I I am 99% sure this is supposed to be the girl who's different, gay best friend. <laughs> 100% accurate. Oh, that's so good. It, that, was, that was comedian Benito Skitter doing his best impression of her gay best friend who talks her into it. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. Obviously, he did a great job. Okay, and finally, here's your last one of the day. I don't know why you want to go to prom anyway. I mean, it's a completely fascist and heteronormative concept. Plus, you know the music's going to suck. But I also know that I've never seen you as happy as you were when you were hanging out with that guy. And even though he seems like the world's biggest douchebag, and I mean biggest douchebag, he looks like he shops at PacSun. If he makes you that happy, that's not something you just find every day. So I think you should go to the prom and win him back instead of sitting here in a record store with me all night complaining about it. Yeah, I, 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 at first I was going to say that it sounds like a male version of Kat Strafford from 10 Things I Hate About You, but I'm pretty sure that's the girl who's different, also different best friend slash coworker who's secretly in love with her. 
you know what? I do think that last part is very good. It's not 100% (laughs) accurate, but I I totally hear what you're saying. So that was comedian Caleb Heron doing his impression of a 21-year-old guy who works at the record store with her and is randomly kind of wise. Perfect. Oh, that's so good. But you totally see in this world, the only difference it is where you know that he's like not that into her in the end. He does this thing where he's basically like, you need to go and get her. And he goes, oh, you don't have a car? Then that's what these keys are for and throws them to her. Amazing. Beautiful. You can just see this movie happen right before your eyes. Hayes, I am so impressed with you. I'm giving you a three out of three. I think you did a great job. I'll take it. Hurrah. (laughs) (laughs) I've watched too many movies that are basically the same. All right, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow as we wrap up our coverage of the DNC and send you hurtling into the weekend. And remember, any week can be motherfucking shark week if you believe hard enough. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. It's not just Shark Week. It's Shark Week. (laughs) For my small bookstore to thrive, I can't just sell books. So I created a radio ad at iHeartAdBuilder.com to tell everyone about our author events, our story hours for kids, and our amazing lattes. Now we're busier than ever. I'd call that... A success story. A custom radio ad from iHeart Ad Builder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God, I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey everybody, Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show, and I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me. Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played Chuck Bass. Is this Michelle Trachtenberg? I'll never tell. Hey, I'm Taylor Momsen, and I play Jenny Humphrey. Hi, I'm Sebastian Stan, and I played Carter Payson. That was one of the reasons I liked the character Jenny so much, is that she was very relatable. The whole thing was such a joy for me to do, and I was just so thankful that people responded the way they did to what we were doing. This really was just, like, wonderful. I, like, have, like, warm feelings inside. Yeah, me too. I'm giving you air hugs. Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.